Well, as we get started today, how many of you have some like crazy friends on Facebook or other social media? You know, they're, they're just a, a little bit out there. They may create a lot of drama. Maybe they're into conspiracies. They're always stirring up dissension of some sort. They're just a little bit of, of troublemakers, right? Here's another question for you. How many of you have ever had someone say something online that actually hurt you? That like it, it actually hurt you because they they communicated on there in a way that like oh man that just makes me feel bad. All right, some of you. The thing about that is oftentimes when people hurt us online, we just sort of sweep it under the rug. We continue to remain friends with them because we're like huh, you know it doesn't really impact me in a major way. However. When it comes to people in our everyday lives, our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, even our, our fellow church members, if they hurt us in some way, oh my goodness, we're like, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. I, I'm done. What you did is unforgivable. It, it's just simply not going to happen anymore. I'm cutting myself off from you for the rest of my life. Here's what we need to understand. Jesus never said that. And so today as we continue this series called Jesus or Things Jesus Never Said, we're going to talk about this whole area of forgiveness and, and what that looks like. And so if you've got a Bible here today, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to hang out again, Matthew chapter 6. For those of you that are tuning in online, there is a, a little button there up in the upper uh, right-hand corner of your screen called Talk Notes. You can push that. That's going to take you to all the scriptures we're going to look at today. And then for everybody else here, you can go to our website, exponential.church, and you're going to be able to find the Talk Notes there as well to take some notes. But as you continue to turn to Matthew chapter 6, one of the things that you need to realize as a bit of context is this takes place during Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. How many of you heard of the Sermon on the Mount before? All right, you've, you've heard of that. So Jesus is preaching this famous sermon, and it's going to be about all kinds of topics. Now, one of the topics that Jesus teaches on during the Sermon on the Mount is the topic of prayer. And so he's going to teach people how to pray. Now, we've talked about this in the past. This is Jesus' model of how to pray. This wasn't necessarily meant to be a prayer to pray, but yet oftentimes people end up praying it. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But again, keep in mind, it's a model of how to pray. And it goes basically like this. Many of you know it. Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or, you know, you could say forgive us of our sins. So Jesus says, forgive us of our sins even though we don't forgive the sins of other people. That's what it says, right? No, Jesus never said that. No, what did Jesus say? Well, let's actually look at it here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who do what? Who sin against us. Now, after Jesus' teaching here on prayer and what that looks like, immediately the very next topic that he covers is this whole area of forgiveness. So just skip down a couple verses, verse 14 and 15. Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'll let those words sink in for a second. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? 
that if you don't forgive others, God is not going to forgive you of your sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been hurt pretty bad in life. I've had some things that have happened to me. I've had some things that have happened to my family through the years, and it hurts. Man, we don't want to forgive oftentimes. Maybe the same thing is true for you. You were wrong. You were hurt, disappointed, let down, betrayed, abused. Maybe it was a spouse that cheated on you or a friend who betrayed you in some way, a boss that fired you. Maybe it was a stranger that hurt you. Maybe somebody promised to pay you back a loan and they never, ever paid it back. Maybe it was a promise that was broken. You were taken advantage of in some way. Maybe you were abused physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually. No matter what it was or who did it to us, all of us carry around some pain of people that have hurt us. There's some scars that we bear because of it. And we still oftentimes feel that pain. I want you to know, <coughs> excuse me, I want you to know that the pain is real and the pain is okay. But ultimately, even in the midst of the pain, you've still got to learn how to forgive. You're going, I don't know how to do that. I mean, how do you forgive someone that has done the unforgivable? After they hurt me, after they hurt my family, how could I possibly ever, ever forgive this person? Well, the answer is actually found back in Jesus' model prayer. Let's go back to the beginning of it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus says, when you pray, you, you pray to the, the Father. Everybody say, Father. Father, right? So we pray to the Father. But what is the word right before Father? What does he say? When you pray, you should pray our Father. Notice Jesus doesn't say pray my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says you should pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So God is our heavenly Father. But he's not just your heavenly Father. He's my heavenly father. And he's not just my heavenly father, he's your heavenly father. Guess who else, or who else he's the heavenly father of? It's that person who hurt you. It's the person who betrayed you. It's that person that did what you think is the unforgivable sin. God is that person's father as well. And so if we all have the same father, what does that make us? It makes us siblings. It makes us brothers and sisters. And that's such an important thing to be reminded of. That in a sense, we are all brothers and sisters. And I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up with my sister, she's six years younger than I am. We fought like cats and dogs. We did things that would hurt one another. But you know what? Even though we butted heads so often, don't you dare mess with my sister. Same was true for me. Man, you don't want to mess with my sister. Especially if you've done something to me, because she's coming after you. 
And so we, we all have our times with our brothers and sisters that we fight, but ultimately we're on the same team. Ultimately, we need to come together and be united with one another. Or here's another way to think about this, parents. Isn't it true that nothing breaks your heart more than seeing your kids not getting along? When your kids are fighting with one another, that hurts you as a parent. The flip side is true as well. When your kids are not just getting along, but they're actually loving one another and honoring one another and respecting one another, oh my goodness, that brings such joy to you as a parent. It's the same with God. All of us are his child, and all of us are brothers and sisters with one another, and he wants us to get along and have a great relationship with our siblings, even when our sibling has done something that has hurt us. We've got to do that. And we talk about this a lot here at Exponential, that, you know, if we had to summarize the, the Bible into just a, you know, a couple words, what is this book really all about? Well, it goes back to when a, a leader of the religious law there in, in Jerusalem, he, he comes to Jesus one day and he says, teacher, 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 tell me. What is the most important commandment? Out of all 613, which one is the most important one? Now, remember, he's trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus answers him, and he says, you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. But then Jesus says, there's a second command, and it's just as important as the first. You need to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. So how do we summarize it then? What is this book really all about? Loving God and loving people. Not just loving God, not just having a relationship with Jesus. That's how we get forgiven of our sin. We, we start that relationship with him. But the proof that we've really done that is our lives are transformed, our lives are changed in such a way that now we have that same love for other people. We love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves. We love our brothers and sisters, even those that we fought like cats and dogs with, even those that have hurt us and betrayed us and abused us. We still got to find a way to love them. We love them. And ultimately, we forgive them as well. You see, you don't truly love God unless you're also truly loving all people. Not just some people, all people. Now, it doesn't mean we necessarily always love what they do or what they've done to us, but we still have to find a way to love them and forgive them. This is the heart of the Father, that we would be not just in relationship with him, but in this deep relationship with others as brothers and sisters. No wonder then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. Jesus says, If you are presenting a gift or offering to God, and while doing so suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go to the person and be reconciled. Then come back and give your gift to God. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, dad doesn't really care about giving gifts to him if you're in an argument with a brother or sister. 
Jesus says, when you come to church, when you come to worship, if you're there to, oh, I'm here to honor Jesus and, and give gifts to him of praise and of worship, if you're here or you're tuning in right now online and you realize that, oh, my goodness, I've got something against someone or somebody has something against me, Jesus says, forget about your worship for a second. Go and make it right with that person. You've got to make it right with your siblings. Then come and give your gift to God. You see, when we don't forgive, not only does it hurt the heart of God, it's actually hurting us as well. We get hurt when we don't give forgiveness. Because anytime we hold on to unforgiveness, it does something to us. It makes us bitter. It makes us resentful. And if you're walking around with bitterness and resentment in your heart, physically, that actually does something to you. Bitterness is the, the poison of your soul. Oftentimes we think that, you know, if I hold on to this grudge, if I hold on to this resentment, this bitterness towards this person, if I just continue to be angry, that's going to hurt them in some way. Oftentimes they don't even know that they did anything to hurt you. Now there is obviously sometimes they know that, but there's many times that we're holding on to grudges with people. They don't even know that, you know, they hurt us in any way. And so somebody once said that, you know, holding on to bitterness is like taking a, a cup of poison and drinking it and then expecting the other person to get sick. No, the only person that's getting sick is you. You're the one that is getting hurt. Now, if you don't like that, that metaphor of, you know, a poison of your soul, here's another way to think of it. When we hold on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, we are locked in a prison of our own making. You become a captive to that. Jesus gives us the key then to get out. Get out of that mental and emotional and spiritual prison. That key is called forgiveness. But you've got to exercise it. Some of you are going, go where I... I don't know, man. Good for, good for you if you've been able to forgive people, but I don't know if I can get to that place. I mean, how would I ever get there? I mean, you don't know the pain that I've been through. And you're right, I don't know the pain that you've been through, but Jesus does. Jesus knows that pain. He knew that all of us would go through tough times where people hurt us. But look what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, let me stop there for a second. Jesus lived in a day and a time where if somebody wronged you, you wronged them back. It was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Somebody hates you, you hate them back in return. So Jesus says, you, you've heard it said that that's what it should be. But then he says this in verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And here Jesus gives us the key to unlocking the prison of hate and bitterness and resentment that we have. It's prayer. It's prayer. And not a prayer of, oh, Jesus, please kill that person that hurt me so bad. 
please give them cancer. No, not that type of prayer. It's not, oh, Jesus, please make their life miserable. Or, or Jesus, help me to, to not do anything that I regret here. This prayer actually isn't about you. That's not what Jesus is talking about. It's not praying for yourself. This prayer is praying for your enemy, praying for those that persecute you and hate you and want to abuse you. It's praying for that person that you don't think that you can forgive. And when I say pray, I mean sincerely praying for them. Praying that, God, I know I've been hurt and I was hurt by this person, but God, would you bless their life? God, would you bless their marriage? Would you give them a promotion at their job? God, would you give them the best night of sleep that they've ever had in their lives? It's this sincere prayer for the well-being of that person that hurt you, abused you, betrayed you, let you down. Sincerely praying. And see, here's what's going to happen. You can't help, if you are sincerely doing that each and every day, you can't help but as time goes on, your attitude towards that person begins to change. And here's what you need to realize. They may never change, but you will. You will. And that's what's really most important here, is that you get to that place where you're no longer drinking that poison of bitterness. You're no longer locked in that cell of unforgiveness. And so you got to learn to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Again, you're going to go, I, I don't know, man. Why in the world would I ever do something like that? And the answer to that is very simple because that's exactly what God did for you. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have hurt Jesus, betrayed Jesus, turned our back on Jesus, said bad things about Jesus, abused Jesus. You're going, I never abused him. Yeah, but you weren't there at the cross. You probably would have been just like those people that executed him. Those people that were shouting, crucify, crucify, crucify. But yet, what did God do to us after we did all that to him, all the sin we've done? He chose to love us and forgive us. And so if God is willing to do that for us, we've got to do that for our siblings as well. Remember, we're all brothers and sisters. And to be honest, those feelings of love and forgiveness aren't going to happen right away. But again, as time goes on, your heart is going to begin to soften, and you're going to realize that you have been set free. Now, here's the cool thing about the word forgiveness. In the original Greek, it doesn't mean to sweep something under the rug or just pretend like it never happened or do like verbal gymnastics trying to justify the action of the other person. That's not what it means at all. In Greek, aphiomai means to hurl something so far away that it can no longer be seen. It means to release something from your hand so that it's free to go. 
And I was just mentioning to you that that's exactly what God did for us. When it comes to our sins, God paid for our sins, but he doesn't keep our sins there as a reminder. No, what does he do? He hurled them as far away as possible. David, he talks about this in Psalm 103, verse 12. He says, how far has the Lord taken our sins from us? David says, further than the distance from east to west. Now, I used to have a problem with this because we think about like the earth and it's like, well, if one person goes east and the other person goes west, eventually you're going to come back together, right? And so I used to have a problem with it. So eventually I just started thinking of like God in outer space, right? And there's Jesus, like he's got his little space suit on. No, I'm kidding. I, I didn't picture that part. But what I did picture is Jesus in space, right? And he takes our sin and he throws it into space all the way to the east. And keep in mind, space just keeps on going for infinity and beyond, right? It just keeps on going, right? It's infinity, So Jesus took our sins and he hurled them away that way. And then Jesus immediately turns and he's going this way now. And he is walking this way. He has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. They will never, ever come together again. That's what he did for us. And that's the expectation that God has that we would do for others. Look at Colossians 3.13 where the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We talked about this last week. We talked about the, the grace and the love and the mercy of God, and, and it was the whole thing of, you know, do we deserve things or not? And I share with you, we don't earn God's grace. We don't earn his forgiveness. But we don't deserve it either. We just simply don't. But yet, as a gift, God says, I'm going to give you my grace and my love and my mercy. So we now need to, now need to offer that same gift to others. Love what Andy Stanley writes about this. He says, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. It's powerful, isn't it? Now, let me be very, very clear. There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. We are called to forgive all people. That doesn't necessarily mean that trust is going to be there right away. It may eventually come back, but that is something that needs to be earned back. But forgiveness, we're supposed to give that freely. Why? Because it was freely given to us. That's what Andy is saying here. Forgiveness is a gift from one undeserving soul to another. A few years back, I saw on Facebook that the person who has probably hurt me more than anybody else in life, that his dad had passed away. This is a person that verbally abused me, physically abused me, mentally, definitely emotionally. I carry some scars and still carry some scars from that. You want to talk about a bully? That was this person. But anyway, I see on Facebook that his dad had passed away. 
And I felt led by God to actually travel down to Maryland and go to his dad's funeral. And so when I come walking in, he's probably 10, 15 feet away, and he spotted me out of the corner of his eye, and from across the room there, he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just want to be here in your time of need. And he came charging at me like he had done so many times in the past. He came charging at me with his arms up. This time, it wasn't fists. It was open arms. He gave me a big hug. He wrapped his arms around me and he said, thank you so much. And as he started to gently cry, he said, I'm so sorry. I said, no problem. I forgave you years ago. That's what God wants for all of us. Sons and fathers, mothers and daughters, embracing one another in forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, offering forgiveness. Family members and friends and neighbors and co-workers and church members coming together and saying, you know what, I'm laying down that sword and I'm offering you arms of love arms of grace, of mercy, forgiveness. That's Jesus' desire for all of us. Remember, holding a grudge doesn't make you stronger. It makes you bitter. Forgiving someone doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Jesus never, ever, ever, ever said, you don't need to forgive that person. No, instead, Jesus said, If you don't forgive that person, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. So two questions for you today here as we wrap up. Number one, who do you need to forgive? All of us probably have somebody that you need to forgive them. It's no longer acceptable to have unforgiveness in your heart. Who is it? And then number two, what's your next step to getting there? For some of you, it's doing what I talked about, just starting to pray sincerely for them every single day until their heart is softened, or until your heart is softened, I should say, and that you can then go and approach them. Some of you are already there. Some of you are already that place that, man, my heart is softened. I don't have all that bitterness anymore but I've never actually gone and expressed that to them. And so I would say even today, if possible, at the longest sometime this week, you need to give them a call. You need to Zoom with them. You need to get together with them in person. Say, I forgive you. Go and go, I'm a, I'm a text person. I'm an email person. I'm a private message on Facebook person. No, 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 that's not what I said. Because the written words so often can be misconstrued. They need to be there and you need to be there with them so that you can see the body language and the the tone of voice and the, the volume that's used. All of us, we need to get to that place where we have forgiveness. 
Again, it may be a little bit of a process, but don't stay stuck in the process. Eventually, you need to go and make it right with that person. And the sooner, the better. Because if you don't forgive others of their sins, God is not going to forgive you of your sins. He gave us grace, and now we need to give grace to our brothers and sisters as well. Forgive, because forgiveness empowers you to set the prisoner free once and for all. And once the prisoner is set free, what you realize is the prisoner all along was you. It was you. So drink, drink that poison any longer. Don't stay locked in that prison any longer. Let's forgive because we have been forgiven. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we've had to come to, to worship you. We, we thank you for our guest worship leaders today and just pray blessing on them and the way that they, they led us and they prepared our hearts to hear this message. And Lord, this was a short message, but it was a message that it's pretty heavy for some people because they have been hurt. They were wrong. They were betrayed. They were abused. They're not sure if they can find forgiveness. Yet, Jesus, that's your command to us. You never, ever said that we have the option not to forgive somebody. No, you said we must forgive everybody. Why? Because we all share the same Father, our Father who in heaven, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And so forgive us of our sins just as we have forgiven the sins of other people. Lord, whatever next steps people need to make, I pray that your spirit has just been stirring in people's hearts and lives, that you've been convicting them of, well, I need to start praying for this person every single day till my heart softens. Or, wow, I really need to today, this week, go and make it right with this person. Even though they're the ones that, that hurt me, they should be the ones coming to me. But no, I'm going to go to them. Lord, I pray that in the midst of that, there would be reconciliation. That even though these brothers and, or sisters or brother and sister, they were fighting with one another, that they would give you, our Heavenly Father, great joy because they've been reconciled. God, again, you, you want us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but just as much, you don't want to see us fighting. And so we've got to learn how to love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves, even when our neighbor, even when our brother, even when our sister has hurt us deeply. So again, Lord, I don't know what the next step is for everybody, but you right now are giving them that next step. Help them to be obedient to your word. Help them not just to be hearers of your word, but doers of your word to take that next step. And Lord, I, I can't wait over the coming weeks and months and years to hear the stories of relationships that got reconciled because they heard this message here in late summer of 2023 and they chose to be obedient to you and you did the miraculous. You restored what looked like it was unrestorable. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a miracle-working God like that. 
And we pray all this in your precious and holy name. It's the name that's above every other name. It's the name of Jesus. Amen.